0: You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, 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 gentlemen. gentlemen, you are now listening listening to the Fantasy fantasy Baseball baseball Hour with Al Al Mercure.
0: Welcome everybody, this is the Fantasy Baseball Hour, and I forgot to wish you all a happy Monday. So happy Monday, and thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and uh, busy, busy show today on a weird, busy Monday, uh, deadline lock Monday. Uh, We were supposed to have Patriots Day game this morning. Of course, that got canceled all the way back yesterday on Sunday, so it hopefully didn't take anybody um, by surprise. But even so, I uh, set my lineups uh, this morning, a uh, little bit of drama with, with uh, some of the leagues where the, the lineup's locked anyway, and then I had to get some commissioner help. And uh, But uh, hopefully, uh, and I would think probably, you've still got uh, a few more hours to get your lineup set. The uh, first pitch is now 6.35 p.m. Eastern at Yankee Stadium, Marlins at Yankees. So, um, you know, if you've got some time. Uh, I tell I've got some time to answer some lineup lineup questions. I got uh, a few sent to me already, so I will take care of those later on in the show. And also a little bit later on in the show, going to have Keith Farnsworth from Fantrax. He just recently wrote his three up, three down column. We'll see who Keith likes and who Keith doesn't like so much uh, for the coming weeks. And Keith and I are also in the same TG FBI league. Um, For those who who don't know, that's uh, the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational. There's 13 different leagues, all with uh, folks from the industry. Uh, And so Keith and I are in the same one. We're actually in league number 13. And uh, so we're going to compare some notes, take stock of our teams uh, through uh, basically two and a half weeks. And uh, as usual... Take a look at the recent standout performances and a lot of news, particularly injury news to get to. So I'm going to get to it. Uh, Kevin Kiermeyer is going to have surgery for a torn ligament in his right thumb, and he is expected to miss eight to 12 weeks. So he injured the thumb on a slide uh, on Sunday. And, um, you know, this is just uh, uh, yet another season, I believe, the third one in a row where Kiermaier is going to miss months due to an injury. He was uh, off to a pretty slow start, too, but uh, this is very disappointing news uh, if you're a Kevin Kiermaier owner, which I am. And uh, as for right now, uh, it's not really you know clear how the Rays are going to handle that. Now, their lineup is actually out. They're playing the Rangers tonight. Martin Perez is starting for the Rangers. And... Center field, uh, you're going to have Malik Smith there. That's not too surprising. I figured he was going to shift over from left field. Uh, But left field is going to be manned by Johnny Field. So great name for somebody playing in the outfield or really anywhere on the diamond. Uh, So Johnny Field's going to bat eight and play uh, left field. I imagine this is probably going to be a short-term situation where uh, Kevin Cash may mix and match a bunch of different people uh, out there. I think we could see Brad Miller coming off the DL maybe later this week. And that would provide, I think, a much easier and probably more stable solution for the Rays because uh, Cash could just put Brad Miller in a DH, and then you could have uh, Denard Spann uh, probably get a lot a lot more time in the outfield. That's just complete. I've not read anything to that effect. That's If I were managing the team, that's what I would do. And maybe Kevin Cash shouldn't do that because I have – no major league managerial experience, so for whatever that's worth, that strikes me as the longer term solution there uh, in Tampa Bay. Uh, good good news for Salvador Perez. He has started a rehab assignment at Double uh, A Northwest Arkansas, and in his first game on the rehab assignment on Sunday, hit a home run. So that is very good news. Uh, obviously, good news to see that uh, you know he performed well. But also uh, Perez could be back much, much sooner than was uh, initially anticipated. And I'm sure you recall that Perez hurt himself uh, carrying luggage and for uh, the MCL his left knee. So uh, that uh, that's uh, some good news, so much needed. Good injury news is all of our fantasy DLs are getting uh, clogged up. Uh, we got a, a whole bunch of Shorter-term situations I'm going to get into, but uh Josh Harrison, he's going to be another player who's going to be out for quite a while. He was uh, hit by a Jose Ureña fastball on Sunday, and he has uh, suffered a fracture to the fifth metacarpal of his left hand and is expected to be out for about six weeks. So that's a, a very bad break for Josh Harrison But uh, Adam Frazier filled in for him on Sunday, and I would expect that Frazier will get the bulk of the time at second base uh, for uh, the Pirates going forward. So, in fact, in the Fantrax beat Al Melchior League, which is a draft and hold where we can make lineup changes twice a week. I did move Frazier into my starting lineup in, in that league. So and that's a deep league. So deeper leagues, uh, Adam Frazier now gets a nice bump in value, uh, unfortunately, at the expense of of Josh Harrison. Now, as far as some of those uh, more day-to-day type situations that you're probably wanting to know about, if you haven't set your lineups yet, uh, according to Alex Pavlovic of NBC Sports Bay Area, Giants manager Bruce Bochy says that uh, Buster Posey's got a swollen right thumb but will be back in the lineup on Tuesday. So I've got him in my lineup. uh, So I I don't think there's any need to bench Buster Posey unless, you know, maybe you have, I don't know, Wilson Contreras on your bench or something crazy like that. So yeah, no, start Buster Posey this week. Uh, Jeff Samarge is probably going to need another rehab start. Didn't go all that great in his last one. So he will not be back this week. And Johnny Cueto is set to start Tuesday. So he's just getting pushed back basically uh, a little bit, uh, a very short uh, stint on the DL for Johnny Cueto. So good, very good news for him. And uh, Will Smith also um, working his way back. And I believe he is due back around May 1st. That one obviously not as uh, fantasy relevant, but if Smith is, you know, anywhere near as good as he was, Um, A couple years ago, he could could become fantasy relevant. Uh, Let's see. Um, Mookie Betts, he sustained a left foot contusion, but uh, so x-rays were negative on him. He is day to day. I think it's safe to start Mookie Betts. Um, Eric Hosmer is day to day. He missed both Saturday and Sunday this weekend due to mild back tightness and Chase Headley filled in for him at first base. JT Real Muto could be back sometime this week. I'd say not soon enough that you could start him this week, but particularly in daily lineup leagues, definitely get your antenna out for that return because it looks like that's going to be very soon. Anthony Rendon fouled the ball off of his toe and missed both Saturday and Sunday. He is day to day. And uh, let's see. Will Myers uh, probably not going to be back in the next few days. Uh, he's been uh, throwing and taking batting practice and then uh, probably going to need a, at least a couple of uh, rehab games. So he might be back with the, uh, with the Padres by like the end of this week, according to uh, MLB.com. A uh, few DL situations, addition to the ones uh, we've already mentioned, Tywin Walker has gone on the disabled list with a forearm issue uh, no timetable there, but that's always a kind of a scary thing uh, when it's a forearm issue. Jonathan Scope is on the 10-day DL. He was placed there on Saturday and has a grade one oblique strain. Uh, let's see. Uh, well, okay, this is not an injury situation, but Ronald Acuna, there is no definitive date. For his return, if he gets hot this week, according to a report on MLB.com, if he just starts to heat up all of a sudden, we could see him maybe later this week. But that sounds pretty tentative. So we may have to wait maybe another week or so or more uh, for the debut of Ronald Acuna. I have also not seen anything yet imminent about Nick Senzel. I've not seen anything positive or negative about Senzel. So uh, if you were thinking he's going to be up any time now, that absolutely could happen. But barring any reports uh, that might come out in the next few hours, I would keep him keep him on the bench. Daniel Murphy is going to extended spring training, uh, but according to a report from Masson, he is not really anywhere close to returning, but it is the next step for Daniel Murphy. So at least there is progress there. And Denelson Lamette is going to have Tommy John surgery. So uh, he's obviously done for the year. Maybe we could see him early in 2019. But uh, bad news for uh, for Denelson Lamette. So uh, lineups. Well, first of all, this weekend, very strange weekend, you know, adding to all the, the you know, strangeness with uh, the, the Patriots Day game being canceled. That's just one of many, many cancellations. So uh, already today, we have the Cardinals at the Cubs, that has been canceled. And then yesterday, Sunday, only nine of the 15 scheduled games got played. So there's just a a whole lot of bad weather all over the country uh, last few days. Uh, This is something that, you know, we're accustomed to seeing, you know, maybe the very first week of the major league season. But uh, a lot of uh, precipitation, a lot of cold weather in places where you think it would be warming up by now. So that's made uh, it's made tracking two-star pitchers really difficult, really frustrating. Um, you know, looking at matchups in general, pretty difficult. Uh, eventually, the warm weather will come and uh, we'll have some normality in the schedule. And speaking of of strangeness and in, in the schedule. Uh, there may be a postponement of the Blue Jays hosting the Royals. And yes, I know the Blue Jays play in a dome, Rogers Center. But apparently there's been falling ice in the area of the stadium. And uh, I've not, uh, I'll not. i try to take a look maybe during the break and see if there's an update there. But last I saw, there was some chance of a postponement of that game. That's uh, scheduled to be Jaime Garcia and Eric Scoglund, the two lefties. So, we might wind up with kind of a smallish slate yet again today with two games already having been postponed and and possibly a third one. As far as lineups go, uh, we've got the the earliest game here the Marlins and the Yankees lineups out for both teams. This game, uh, the series is in Yankee Stadium. So, Marlins going with the DH. They're opting, at least in the opener here, to go with Tomas Talis, batting sixth in the lineup. And um, no Lewis Brinson. So you got Cameron Mabin uh, batting seventh and playing seventh field. J.B. Shook in right field, uh, where Mabin has been playing, uh, batting eighth. Yankees lineup uh, going up against the lefty Caleb Smith. So nothing really too unusual there. And only other lineups that are out right now. I mentioned the Rays already with uh, Johnny Field <laughs> in the field. uh essentially replacing Kevin Kiermeyer, batting eighth, uh, Malik Smith batting ninth. Smith, I think, on Sunday led off. But uh, today against Martin Perez, and this makes sense, Smith being the lefty, I don't think he's going to uh, – at least he's playing against the lefty. I don't think you're going to see him lead off much. But I think you will see probably Smith lead off very frequently against righties. But against Martin Perez and the Rangers, it's going to be Matt Duffy leading off for your Tampa Bay Rays. And the Phillies lineup is out. That's a seven thirty-five Eastern start at SunTrust Park in Atlanta. Julio Tehran is going to uh, tow the slab for the Braves, and for the Phillies, you get Scott Kingery leading off for them. You've got uh, Michael Franco in the lineup. No Cesar Hernandez, though, because Kingery is going to be playing second base. And as far as the outfield rotation goes, pretty much the usual. I should stop calling it a rotation because Nick Williams just isn't playing much, and he is not in the starting lineup for uh, tonight's game in Atlanta. So you've got uh, Hoskins in left, Herrera in center, Altair and right. And uh, I've covered uh, most of the lineup there already. So uh, that's your Phillies lineup and nothing much else there to see. As far as the weather goes, of course, I've mentioned the the strange situation in Toronto with the falling ice. Uh, but really, other than that, and the fact that, you know, we've got two cancellations already, I think the rest of the, I think we should be good for the rest of these games. Uh, that marlins yankees game there's a, a pretty high chance of rain before game time but very little chance five percent chance at the uh first pitch uh and actually i'm sorry that's at seven o'clock so yeah maybe a, a little bit of a late start there but doesn't look like there's there's really much of a chance of a postponement or long delay uh at yankee stadium so that one should be just fine and uh yeah, a little bit of a rain chance uh well, obviously the Mets hosting the Nationals, so <laughs> same weather uh, in Queens pretty much as as you've got in the Bronx. Uh, Pittsburgh hosting the Rockies, similar situation there. Rain before first pitch, but very very little chance of rain afterwards. So I think you're you're pretty well safe, and that's a good thing. Because like I say, it's a it's a smallish slate that's getting smaller uh, <laughs> throughout the day here. So I think that the the Toronto one, the Toronto game at this point, is the only one you really need to watch and worry about, and uh, I will keep you posted on that. So uh, coming up, uh, like uh, very shortly, in fact, because we're going to head to break in about one minute here, but uh, on the other side of that break, I'm going to have Keith Farnsworth here, uh, one of my fellow Fantrax writers, and as I mentioned, he's written his three-up, three-down piece, uh, so we're going to look at the six players that he's covered there. But um, we're going to use this as a bit of an exercise, and I'm actually going to be writing a piece for fan Tracks, and how one sizes up their team after just a couple of weeks, or to be more accurate in our case right now, two and a half weeks, because it's at the point now where uh, there, there's certainly a broader range of players that you could consider dropping, and yet we're not that deep into the season. So there, there could be some danger of overreaction. But uh, we'll kind of get a, a jump start on that process when Keith joins me on the show. Because, to be honest, the great uh, Fantasy Baseball Invitational, not going so great for either of us <laughs> so far. Uh, so we're going we're to dig into that a little bit. And that should be uh, that should be pretty interesting. And uh, so, as I also mentioned uh, at the outset, be taking your lineup questions if you got them. I'll check uh, over the break uh, for those because there were uh, several questions. Uh, Right at uh, showtime. So, uh, anyways, that uh, sets us up nicely for the rest of the show. But we do have to head for break. And when I come back, Keith Hartsworth will be here too. So don't go anywhere. Be right back.
1: 84 FNTSY. That's 844 843 6879 The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source 24 hours a day.
0: Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melfior, and as promised. Joining us uh, from Fantrax and also from Rotographs, Keith Barnsworth. Uh, welcome back to the show, Keith. Hey, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. Pretty well. I was just saying at the beginning of the show, it's been a it's been a f- more frantic Monday than usual because there's been confusion in a couple of my leagues with the the change in the first pitch and you know getting the the you know lineups unlocked. <laughs> so you know, I not get the lineup set, and uh, just seems like there's a there's a lot of confusion and you know a lot of. A lot of canceled games and all that kind of stuff, but a never good, a dull good, moment. That's right, never a dull moment. So, uh, but yeah, going going well. Uh, and uh, I do want to get to uh, the piece that you've just recently written for Fan Tracks, uh, but also uh, I just want to cut in for a second here because I, in the last segment, I said I would uh, look for updates on that Blue Jay situation, uh, part of the Monday weirdness, where there's uh, falling ice in the area of Rogers Center. And uh, Blue Jays uh, sent out a tweet that's now 18 minutes old saying they're currently working to repair the damage uh, to the Rogers Center roof compare, uh, uh, caused by falling ice from CN Tower. Uh, they're assessing the situation and will provide updates shortly. So I guess I'll check again at the next break <laughs> and see if that game's going to be played. Got to say, it doesn't sound good. Yeah, sounds bad. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Well, uh, there's bad and good. In your three up, three down column. So, well, let's, uh, since we just talked about something bad, uh, let's start with the good. And uh, who are the players uh, you're liking right now?
1: You know what? In looking into Cesar Hernandez for the Phillies, um, I don't know that I've been this excited about kind of digging in on early season stats that I was with Hernandez. He's kind of in a perfect situation. So, he's a leadoff hitter for Philadelphia, he's got uh, on base skills that are improving his power is actually starting to come around here with an increased pull percentage. And so when you look at him as a solid batting average, good runs scored, if he can go
0: into some power and still feel like 17 or 18 bases, I mean, he could be a top 10 second baseman this year. I, d- I think he could. And, and he, uh, you know, he has some on base potential too, which is nice for points leagues and OBP leagues. So there's, there's a, a broad appeal there uh, for Hernandez to be sure. Uh, do you have any concerns about Scott Kingery uh, biting into his value? And I know Kingery's playing all over the place, so uh, that damage is kind of being spread out so far. But uh, do you have any concern there?
1: Um, I do a little bit. Kingery's been great early on. Um, he's been mashing in the minor, minor leagues when he was there. So they're going to get him in the lineup, especially with that big contract extension at the beginning of the year. Uh, but I think if Hernandez continues to play like this, playing time is not going to be an issue.
0: Yeah, well, that, certainly uh, the Hernandez owner is hoping for that. And again, it's a tough call. I mean, I think going into the year, people were sort of targeting Michael Franco coming off a, of a disappointing season and say, OK, that's that's where the playing time is going to come from. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I still think you go either way. But I, I agree. I think as long as Hernandez is getting that almost everyday playing time that, uh, you know, he's certainly somebody I think you could easily look to to replace Josh Harrison just in the, as an example. Um, you know, exactly. or if you needed a second baseman for whatever reason. Um, you got a couple of other middle infielders uh on your three up. So what are you thinking uh about them and, and who are they? <laughs> well, Tim Anderson was another one that's kind of been getting a lot of uh a lot of love
1: the last few weeks. He's stolen bases at an unbelievable clip. So in his first eleven opportunities this season, he stole six bases, um, which is just you know incredible. It's probably not gonna Continue with that pace, but you love to see the hyper-aggression on the base paths early in the season for him. Uh, my only question with him going forward is can he get on base enough to utilize that speed? So he's been, you know, one of the the worst as far as plate discipline goes. His strikeout rate's not great this year. Um, he walked, you know, the a league worst uh, walk percentage in 2017. So he needs to kind of get on base a little bit more to use that skill set.
0: Yeah, uh, absolutely. Although I mean, he's you know, it's very early. We're talking small numbers, small samples in general. Uh, Last year, he walked a total of thirteen times. He's already up to four (laughs) this season. Yeah, uh, Anderson. That's good. So it's it's good, but uh, he's also striking out more. Uh, so, you know, I guess what, what what is given is also taken away and um, he hasn't made, made much progress. I'm looking right now at his uh, swing rate on pitches outside the zone. Last year it was 41%, which is you know pretty bad. It's like Eddie Rosario territory. Uh, I think actually Eddie Rosario improved from that level. Uh, and, and Anderson's still pretty much there at about 40%. So that, that, that's definitely a concern. And I'm glad you brought up the steals because whenever I've talked about Anderson over the last couple of weeks, it's been a reference to the growing power. But, you know, other, th- other than the walks, I mean, he seems to be sort of the complete package so far. Yeah, he's been good. Absolutely. So, uh, and then Dansby Swanson rounds out your three up. Uh, obviously off to a good start and a much better start uh, than maybe uh, a lot of people were expecting after last season. Uh, what do you see there that you like and, and that you think could be sustainable?
1: Well, him as far as statistics go, it's it's more of just kind of an opinion with him. I mean, his stock value went sky high when he got drafted. Um, poor performance early on in his major league career brought him way, way, way down. And now in a, a pretty small sample this year, he's, he's hitting really well, um, kind of doubles power, his on-base percentage has increased, his exit velocity is increased. Um, so it shouldn't really be a shock to anybody that he's not as bad early on this season as he was last year. But uh, for him, it's kind of just a wait-and-see for me. Uh, i need to see probably you know 100 to, to 200 at-bats before we really buy in. But um, if you want to get him in leagues, you're going to have to do it pretty quickly.
0: I I absolutely agree with that. And um, let me ask you this, because I'm I'm actually going to go back to a a show I did last week where I talked about how Swanson at that point was being added to a lot of leagues. I made a comparison between him and Dixon Machado, uh, somebody who's, you know, where the interest is not quite as great. Uh, If you could have either Swanson or Machado, which one would you pick up?
1: I'm definitely with Swanson. It's Uh, just because of the pedigree. I think that, you know, former number one overall pick, um, I think he's twenty four or twenty five years old, nothing nothing very old. Um, so I'm definitely gonna go with him just based on the upside right now,
0: yeah, well, that was I also did a poll to that effect, and I think it was something like eighty five to fifteen in favor of Swanson. and I was just kind of making the point like take a look at Machado too. He's got all these doubles., uh, he's got the exit velocity increase, like Swanson does as well. um but you know i I, I uh, definitely see the the, the the side for Swanson as well. Uh, all right, let's get to your three down. Uh, who are you not so hot on at this point?
1: Well, Evan Longoria was one, and it, it's kind of just, it, there wasn't a whole lot of statistical analysis in this one. It was more of a, you know, what are we expecting from Evan Longoria in San Francisco? Um, you know, 20 home runs last year. If he gives you 20 home runs and 260 batting average like you did in 2017, you know, that's not entirely helpful I mean that's just not really going to do much for you in fantasy leagues in fact at this point it may actually kind of hurt you so uh, a, a pretty rough start for the season and his career with the Giants uh, my recommendation on that was just kind of to move on pretty quickly
0: I agree third base is so deep that um, you, you need to see something pretty reassuring from Longoria earlier early on and we just haven't gotten it so that absolutely makes sense to me And uh, how about you You included Jason Kipnis. I think he got some people a little bit uh, excited about him in spring training, but uh, you're not so excited about him right now.
1: No. And and actually he was one that I kind of just want to wait and see right now. I think Kipnis is, it it can help you when he's healthy in fantasy, you know, deep leagues, obviously more than the shallow leagues. Um, But I do actually like his increased fly ball rate in the last couple of seasons. And I think he could, Kind of be sneaky for a little bit more power. We saw that in spring training, uh, but right now I think he's one that I'd rather just kind of wait and see. I know he's down pretty pretty far in league so far, but um, I'd prefer to kind of wait on him if I have the opportunity. Maybe just sit him on my bench for a few weeks.
0: Now, if you're okay, so if you're not a Kipness owner, I mean, I think that's that's great advice for those who are trying to figure out what to do with Kipness Kipnis. And as we're going to talk about a little bit, I think it could be tempting right now to drop a guy like him, and I think the wait and see approach. For you know players of, of that ilk is is the way to go. But if you're not a Kipnis owner, do you think it's uh, maybe appropriate to try to buy low right now, or are there too many red flags for that?
1: Well, there, there's probably just too many other good second base options. You got Jed Lowry, who is off to an absolute torturing start uh, start to the season. You know, we just talked about a few other guys, Kingery, who's you know surprisingly still owned in some leagues, um, and a guy like Hernandez. So. I'm probably taking a shot on one of those guys first if they're available. Um, but yeah, if it's a deep league, um, I'd be willing to kind of roster him and just see what happens. He should hit for more power.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I would think so. And then finally, Lewis Brinson. And I'm, I'm going to ask you this question because there was, you know, a certain amount of hype for him during spring training uh, that that carried over to maybe the first week or so of the season. And of course, now there there've been you know, questions about is he even going to stay up with the Marlins? I didn't quite get the hype in the first place because I look at the minor league numbers from, from the last couple of years. And, you know, granted, Brinson got a bit of the, the Colorado Springs boost with the, with the Brewers, and maybe that's a part of it. But, we're, I mean, was this somebody that you were kind of interested in or even excited about going into the season? Um, or, or I guess another way to put it is, L- Lewis Brinson being on your three-down list, is that – uh, you know, is that kind of a cr- crushing blow for you personally, or, or did you have some skepticism to start off with? No, I I was part of the hype
1: in the preseason. I, I liked the opportunity that Brinson was going to get to play every single day, and he just hadn't seen regular bats at the major league level. Um, he's kind of a skill set person to me, so maybe not that the numbers weren't reflective of what his upside could be, uh, but the skills, I think, are definitely there. The problem is he's had maybe the worst start to his major league career that you could possibly have. He's 36 games into the major league career for him, and he's batting, I think, 120. Um, so, yeah, it's it's pretty bad for him. They may actually get to a situation where, like you mentioned, they send him down just to get him right because this is just a terrible way to start off the season.
0: Yeah, it is. And, I mean, those you know bad stats for him are pretty weighted by what he did in, in Milwaukee in a brief time because it was just brutal for him. But uh, yeah, it's not going that great this year either. Uh, well, let, let's shift gears here, uh, Keith, and talk about uh, how it's going for us in the TG FBI. Uh, and I, I kind of tipped my my hand on that earlier in the show and said it's not going that great for either of us. Uh, I'm eleventh <laughs> out of fifteen. You're twelfth. Uh, it is early, so I know I'm bouncing around a bit in the standings, but I'm have, having a hard time cracking the top half. Uh, so I can't really sugarcoat it too much. Uh, but I looked at where. We're respectively having troubles, and I know for me it's been um, home runs and RBI. So I, I need some power hitters, and I'm actually – this is something I'm going to address in a Fan Tracks piece that will be out tomorrow, uh, so I don't want to belabor it too much. But, um, you know, maybe you and I should trade because your issues seem to be with starting pitching. Uh, your hitting uh, in general seems to be pretty fine. So I want to break down your – your pitching situation and kind of uh, use it as an example of how, you know, I think this is a point where a lot of people are having to take stock of their teams, particularly if it's not going well and figure out what to do about it. So uh, part of what you're doing with, with a nine, uh, a nine player pitching staff, you've got four relievers and um, you've got only got one closer and that's Bud Norris and his shelf life as a closer might be really limited. So, uh, was this a, a strategy that you went into uh, to to target, uh, set up pitchers and middle relievers for for Ks and ratios, or is this just sort of what you, you know, what you wound up with?
1: Yeah, I, I went in with the anticipation of trying to get you know a top ten, top fifteen closer. I wasn't really going to reach for you know one of the top one or two guys. Um, And I ended up kind of leaving the draft with a lot of, you know, high upside, you know, eighth inning, seventh inning guys. Dylan this is a guy who I'm pretty high on. Um, Andrew Miller, I ended up with. Um, And since then, I've been trying to piece together guys that are going to put themselves in situations to hopefully get saves in the future. So I had to go pretty big on on fab this week and spent about 30% of my, my total fab for the season on three kind of speculative saves guys.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay. Now, was that in response to what's going on with your rotation? Well, first of all, you got Charlie Morton, so that's fantastic. Um, and then you've got Alex Wood and um John Gray, Rich Hill, and Clayton Richard. And am I right remembering that you you were really into Clayton Richard during the off season? I don't know if it's really into, but I did <laughs> um I don't know if I want to admit that I was really into Clayton Richard,
1: but uh, I did some comparisons on some of his ratios and yeah. Stroman, yep. and I, b- I basically tried to convince people that Stroman wasn't as good as what we had viewed him as, and that Clayton Richard wasn't as bad. Um, and, and maybe that hasn't played out exactly yet this season, but I think is kind of like a, a placeholder for some of my starters that are injured. Richard mm-hmm. is, is just fine for right now. Um, I have two guys hopefully coming off the DL pretty soon in um, – um, Pomerantz, and then um, Salazar. Salazar might be a little bit ways behind, but those are two guys who I hope can help me down the stretch.
0: Okay, so so part of his injury, to be sure, part of it is uh, something of an affinity for Clayton Richard. Uh, and I thought you you know you made a, a good case for him uh, when you were making those those comparisons. But you've got three pitchers uh, right behind Charlie Morton that are a bit. Pretty disappointing. So I guess my first question is, is your strategy in spending a good chunk of your fab to uh, speculate on future closers, is that at all connected or in reaction to what's going on with your starters?
1: It is. I, I need to find at least two saves guys as soon as possible if I'm going to compete in this league. So um, the longer I go, I can't go week four, week five without having at least one save guy. So I had to spend big this week and kind of, you know, reach out and cast a big net, so to speak, and see what I can get. Um, I may actually try and get some bats in the following weeks after hopefully one of these guys can lock down a position, whether that's, um, you know, Darren O'Day has kind of been waiting. He's not really in a position right now, but Will Harris could see some saves for Houston. Um, You know, I kind of took a shot at Sergio Romo to see if he may have an opportunity there in Tampa Bay. But I need one of these guys to kind of come through for me.
0: All right. Well, uh, and I got one last question to you, and it, and it gets back to Clayton Richard. Uh, so this is somebody that, again, you liked a lot better than most other people. You spent, you know, some energy in the off season making the case for him. I was doing the same thing with Tim Beckham, and he's on my uh, TGFBI team. So at what point oh, – I'm sorry, we only got a minute, so this will be kind of a, a lightning round question. But at what point do you see that uh, if things don't improve that it's appropriate to uh, to uh, cut bait on on a player like that?
1: It'll be pretty quickly. Uh, Richard has, you know, one good start and a couple bad starts um, there for the Padres. You know, I kind of like him in that park. But as soon as I get some of my starters back from the from the DL, I think I'll probably move on from him unless he, you know, shocks the world.
0: Yeah, it's just, I, you know, I find that uh, hard sometimes to, you know, let these players go that, you know, they were – they were kind of late round flyers and you knew there was risk with the potential reward, but it's it's, it's hard to let them go. But already in some leagues, I've, I've let some of those guys go. But uh, anyways, uh, Keith, thank you so much for uh, joining me. And uh, folks should definitely go check out your three up, three down piece on Fantrax, along with all of your other work. So thanks so much for uh, dropping in. Thanks, Al. All right. Take care, Keith. So uh, stick around, folks. Be right back after this break. back everybody this is fantasy baseball hour I'm your host Al Melchior and thanks again to Keith Barnesworth, for uh, joining us on the last segment and uh, so we both try to improve our standing in the great fantasy baseball invitational it's early <laughs> so uh, don't do anything too crazy with your roster uh, but it is time to take a, a harder look at uh, some of the players that uh, aren't quite living up to expectations and um, Also got a few update uh, or I'm sorry, lineup updates. And I do have a blue Jays, a non-update update, update, which is that uh, there's still no additional word from the blue Jays uh, on whether or not that game's going to be uh, canceled or delayed uh, tonight uh, at Rogers center, which if you're just tuning in, has been uh, pelted by some, some falling ice from the CN tower. So the, uh, their officials investigating that uh, whole situation there and, and see if the, the, the venue is going to be all right uh, for uh, tonight's game against the Royals. So, again, if I see anything before the end of the show, I'll pass it on. Otherwise, uh, check your, your local Twitter feed for the latest news. Uh, all right, so I'll get to some lineup updates as well, some stand up performances, and your uh, lineup questions. But first, a reminder that you can dominate your DraftKings and FanDuel Major League Baseball contests this summer with Daily Roto's MLB Projections and Optimizer. Just go to DailyRoto.com premium and save 10% with the promo code FNTSY to use all the very same tools and projections that Millionaire Maker winner Drew Dinkmeyer uses. Now, tools don't just work for football. This is the same site that Drew used for last year's top five $150,000 DraftKings Live Final Finish. So head over to dailyrodo.com slash premium, save 10% with the promo code FNTSY, and go and see the results for yourself. Okay, so just uh, a few lineups that have been uh, submitted since uh the uh earlier in the show when I, I went over lineups, uh the Braves lineup is out. There's really nothing much there uh that's uh, going to impact you. Mets lineup is out and uh no uh Joanna Uh once again, Brandon Nimo leading off and playing right field. So we got an outfield of uh Nimmo and we got um Ligaris in center and uh Conforto in left. So that's your, your Mets lineup, Jose Lobatone catching. They have not apparently gone for the upgrade yet, with both uh, Travis Darno and Kevin Pluecki out for quite a while, uh, actually for, for a very long time. Uh, let's see. And the Reds lineup is out. No Jesse Winker. Uh, so you've got Philip Irvin in right field, along with Billy Hamilton and Adam Duvall in the outfield. Phil Goslin is your third baseman today for the Reds, batting eighth. That's uh, Luis Castillo versus the lefty Brent Suter. And that one, that's a 740 uh, first pitch Eastern time. I should say really it's 640 Central because that game is in Milwaukee. All right, so uh, let's uh, I'll try to do this quickly because uh, actually you've sent me quite a few lineup uh, questions for this week and I want to do my very best to get to all of them. Uh, but uh a few few performances of note, and certainly the one that we were all watching last night was Bartolo Colon uh, teasing us with a perfect game through seven innings. Uh, so that was really something, and uh, he of course was locked in a duel with Justin Verlander. So that was a that was a really fun uh, fun game to watch. Uh, both pitchers, you know, had a had a great night. Uh, Colon won seven and two thirds, just allowed one hit and one walk figure if cologne's going to be perfect with anything it's not walking anybody but uh did walk somebody in the in the eighth inning uh just one run uh seven strikeouts so nearly a strikeout per inning against the Astros who don't strike out a whole lot uh and so I would assume that Cologne gets another turn and if he does it would be this weekend against the Mariners and boy am I rooting for an Ichiro Bartolo Cologne matchup this weekend. That would be awesome. But for Lander uh, uh continuing uh his Outstanding start to the 2018 season, 11 strikeouts in eight innings, one run on a hit and a walk. So very similar numbers, oddly enough, for Cologne and Verlander, although uh, Verlander with uh, four more strikeouts. So not much really to say there, Uh, although I I know I expressed a lot of doubts about Verlander during the draft prep season. uh, Looking at the bulk of the work that he did last year before he came over to Houston and he's really picked up where he left off. So bad on me. But that said, even but so, I do have him tout worse, even with uh, all of the skepticism that I had uh, during the offseason. And Joey Lucchese has kept it going. Now, granted, uh, the start on Sunday was against the Giants. That's been a pretty good matchup so far. He went six innings, just one run on five hits and no walks with nine big strikeouts for Lucchese. So, yeah. Uh, really pitching above and beyond I think what what the minor league numbers would have suggested I'll be very interested to see uh how he does against some some different teams he did very well against the Rockies in a couple of starts uh did well in a matchup that uh if he you know is going to be good over the longer run you would want to see him do well against the Giants so we'll uh, we'll see how that goes but at this point I think you do have to give Lucchese a flyer in just about any sort of format because in the 10 of the 12 team formats, you know, if it doesn't work out, you could replace him pretty easily with with a, a, a quality arm, and in the deeper formats, you know, at this point, I think he's he's earned his his way onto uh, one of those rosters. Uh, Sean Mania continuing to succeed, even if he's not getting a lot of strikeouts. On uh, Sunday at the Mariners, uh, one run on two hits and two walks over seven innings, just four strikeouts uh, for Sean Mania. So I, you know, I do have a bit of concern about him uh, just because this is somebody who uh, in the past has had some, some fly ball tendencies. Uh, you know, I kind of, I was very excited about him when he first came up uh, in, in 2016 because I like the strikeout potential, but that hasn't, he's not, not that he's been a, a terrible strikeout pitcher. I mean, this year he's been a little bit subpar, but uh he has yet to strand, or uh, I should say, has, has stranded every runner that he's had. Um, so he's yet to allow a runner to score. Um, it's, so all the runs have been via the home run. And like I said, that's the thing that worries me a bit about Manaya, even though the fly ball rate is not terribly high for him. So I, I think he might be getting a little bit overhyped, uh, to be honest. But, uh, you know, so far, so good. A 1.63 ERA for him. Uh, control's been very good. He has a <laughs> otherworldly 0.72 whip. And uh, he's thrown a lot of strikes. So I do think that the low walk rate is legit. I think that the low whip, while obviously I think it's going to get over one at some point, uh, he could be uh, a legit low whip guy. But I, you know, I really don't know about that ERA if he doesn't start. Uh, missing a few more bats uh, that he does. And it really doesn't get very many called strikes at all. I mean, the swinging strike rate is uh, a little over 10%, which actually isn't bad. It's not uh, phenomenal, but it's not bad. But uh, not a lot of freezes for Sean Mania, So uh, put up a little red flag there for him. And uh, going for the Mariners in that game was Felix Fernandez, who did very nicely. six and a third. Two runs on five hits and no walks for Hernandez and seven strikeouts. So very nice uh, start for him. The overall numbers aren't really great, but I will tell you, I I find this start really encouraging for him. And for me, the key number is the no walks against the A's because um, A's are a fairly selective team, and he got them to chase a lot of bad pitches, Felix Hernandez. So, um, good for him and he did the same thing against the Royals in his previous start so you know it's baby steps and it's not as nice as you know just seeing uh, you know huge strikeout numbers every time but I, I don't think we're going to see the old Felix Hernandez again but if you know we can get somebody who uh, you know so maybe more along the Manaya model of uh, a low walk rate and a low whip um, and I think Hernandez can certainly if he stays healthy get the innings and uh, get some wins That uh, he's going to be, you know, maybe, and again, this is very speculative, but if he can continue to build on what he's done his last two starts, uh, this could be maybe uh, the best and most valuable that Felix Hernandez has been in a while. And uh, Ivan Nova, not used to seeing big strikeout numbers for him. He struck out nine and six and two-thirds against the Marlins, and he now has a 22% strikeout rate. Did give up three runs on six hits, but he didn't walk anybody. So that thing about uh, that part of Ivan Nova's game hasn't really changed, at least in the early going here. I mean, he's a very good control pitcher. In fact, has profiled somewhat like Bartolo Colon last few years, uh, throwing a lot of strikes, not walking very many batters at all, very extreme in that regard, but had been a pitch-to-contact guy. He's got an 11% whiff rate. So far this season, so a little bit better than than Sean Manaya, and he's getting the strikeouts. So Ivan Nova, I mean, he got off to a good start last year and then really faded in the second half. So I don't want to blow any of these early stats up too much, but uh, add uh, Nova to the list of uh, pitchers early on who have been a bit intriguing. And if you're worried about uh, Zach Godley after a not very good start against the Dodgers. I wouldn't worry or panic just yet or bench him or do anything like that, but he did go just four innings on Sunday, six runs, five of which were earned, on five hits and an ugly six walks, um, but with four strikeouts. Now, the thing is uh, that, just like I pointed out with the A's, that it's impressive that Felix Hernandez didn't walk anybody in that start. You can't get too overwrought when somebody walks a bunch of, of hitters Against the Dodgers, because they, too, are among the most selective teams in the majors. He did uh, do well in his first start of the year against the Dodgers. So it's not like there's a consistent pattern here. But if you're going to sort of slip and fall in this regard with the high walk rate, Dodgers are a very likely team to do that against. But uh, over his first two starts, Godley only walked one batter. So I'm going to have to see a little bit more of a trend here. Before I start freaking out about Zach Godley, I think it's just a bad start that you just got to chalk up and against an opponent that, and I realize hasn't been going that great for the Dodgers uh, in the early going here, but at least in this regard, um, you, you can maybe blame the matchup a little bit. And a couple of hitters uh, that I'll just very quickly take note of because I do want to get to your uh, your questions from Twitter. Starley Marte, though, had a five-hit game, so that deserves some mention. Also hit his third home run of the year. This was against the Marlins. Uh, so Starley Marte uh, certainly working as I don't know that he ever left must-start status, but uh, he's certainly there. And then somebody that you know I think there's maybe a little bit more question and controversy over in terms of what their their value is, um, you know, we saw the, 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 power outburst, uh, about a week, week and a half ago from Christian Villanueva and a little bit of a lull, but he started to, to hit again. Uh, he hit his fifth home run and his fourth double of the year against the giants on Sunday. So I think this is, you know, I, I'm not going to draw a conclusion based on roughly two weeks of play for Christian Villanueva or for, for anybody else for that matter, but just the, the kind of hitter that he is, and I described him as sort of a, a Ryan Schimpf with fewer strikeouts uh, a week or so ago. And, and, you know, so with that sort of profile, I, I think that there's there's going to be some power binges. There's going to be some good streaks. There's going to be some bad streaks. But uh, we are seeing some good again uh, from Christian Villanueva. So, all right, With the time we've got remaining here, uh, I should be able to get to all of your questions. So, away we go. Uh, this one from at Brian D. Berg. Should I bench Rendon this week? Because, again, he's got that toe issue after falling the uh, falling ball off his foot. Should I bench Rendon and start either Pirella or Derek Dietrich? Any word on Yelich? I have not seen uh, anything yet about Christian Yelich. So, I would, uh, again, barring uh, uh, another update on him. Uh, would probably bench him. And this is by the way a weekly points league, so bench Rendon for either Perella or Dietrich. I have to say no. That's a situation where you have to again watch the updates, see if there's uh you know some news about uh about Rendon, but uh that that you know the Nationals lineup is not out yet. He could very well be in the lineup for tonight against the Mets and Jacob DeGrom. I expect that if Rendon's not back tonight, he'll probably be back tomorrow. So Barring a, uh, a report, I would not uh, bench Rondon for either Perella or Dietrich. And uh, another one, same name uh, person, uh, at Brian DeBerg. Uh, points League uh, sits Fulmer versus KC, Hamels at Tampa Bay, Sanchez versus KC, or Archer versus Minneapolis. So, okay, which guy I- sits? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't uh, understand the question at first. Uh, I Well, Hamels at Tampa Bay is a nice matchup. And there's a lot of risk-reward there with Hamels. He's getting a lot of strikeouts, but he's also uh, allowing uh, quite a bit of hard contact. So I think for me, it comes down to uh, Sanchez or Fulmer. And at this point, I'm, I'm worried about uh, Michael Fulmer. So, uh, and I assume this is Michael Fulmer. Uh, I, I would sit him because uh, he's somebody who really relies on inducing soft contact, more of a finesse guy. And I would say inconsistent at best so far. So uh, that would be my recommendation is to, uh, to sit Fulmer. At Chris underscore Brown one asks over the long term, who's a better choice for second base, uh, Ian Happ, Brian Dozier, or Paul DeYoung? Uh, that was pretty much a slam dunk, I have to say. Um, definitely Dozier, just the extended track record. I mean, DeYoung is hitting for great power, did last year too. He's definitely exceeding my expectations so far, but Dozier's been a steady elite. Uh, he is a must start. I can't really say that about DeYoung yet. And definitely not Ian Happ where there's, you know, playing time and consistency concerns. From at uh, Mac Hammer, 58, Lopez or Pavetta in weekly points, I'd say definitely Nick Pavetta. Uh, granted, strikeouts aren't as important as points league, but I think Pavetta's got a pretty sizable advantage there. He just seems, seems legit. Uh, you know, I liked him when he got called up last year. And uh, I, I just think uh, he's going to be the more productive uh, of the two, at least for the, the near term. And finally, when Daniel Murphy comes back, logjam in the infield with Bryant, Vado, Carpenter, Dozier, Rendon, Murphy, DeYoung, and Story, which one would I look to move uh, I would say probably Dion, either Dion or Story. But Dion's off to the good start, the fast start. I do think he's due for some regression. So that would be my advice. So got them all in, although just barely. Thank you for tuning in. Have a, a, a great week coming up. Uh, good luck setting your lives so if you haven't finished doing so. And I will be back here tomorrow for Tuesdays with Modica. I will see you then. Have a good one, everybody.